Good afternoon, good evening again, South Sudan. This is Gender Talk 211. My name is Eva Lopa, and today we have a very special show where we discuss topic A, sexual autonomy in Michael, who is a senior um, midwife and the current director general for training and professional services, if I'm not wrong. Development. Development services. Okay, great. And later we'll be joined by... Minangano Tula, who has a book out, Uncaging, is coming out Saturday. For now, your most welcome guests, Ajak, Madam Janet, you're most welcome to the studio. I'd like to start with you, Ajak, where you can explain to us a little bit better about sexual autonomy and what exactly we're talking about. Um, sexual autonomy and reproductive autonomy refers to the freedom for individuals to make their own choices regarding their bodies and anything pertaining to sex and reproduction such as uh, when and how and if they will have sex and how frequent if they will have children and when so it just pertains to their independence and their freedom to make their own decisions free from any influence <coughs> from society, from other individuals or groups, and so on and so forth. Okay, just to give us a bit of context on what we're talking about. You've discussed many different things during um, the week. Can you break it down for us a little bit based on your research? I looked at sexual uh, <coughs> autonomy in South Sudan and also within the African context. It first brought it in together using different ways in which our culture um, influences the, the ways in which people have, uh, uh, they're limited to uh, sexual autonomy. So such things, culture we know, is affect the ways in which women have access to sexual autonomy or the way that they could, um, they could uh, exercise their sexual autonomy. So I think um, it's, uh, it, it, it calls for a holistic approach to liberation and the restoring of autonomy for South Sudanese women and African women in general. <coughs> um, then moreover, it looked into the ways uh, uh, these sexual-based violences n now break international humanitarian law such as the law to uh, sex, the law to sexuality, um, hum all those human rights that people should be freely um, exercising under the Geneva Convention, which every, every um, country has signed, and as well as South Sudan. Yet not everybody is able to exercise their human rights or is, is accorded their human rights and s some more uh, cultural aspects. So it then concludes by giving um, a, a call for a holistic approach to uh, dismantling these uh, patriarchal standards that have been set that now uh, limit our freedom and our exercise to our exercise of our um, rights. So that's basically what the whole topic was about. Great. Thank you for the breakdown. <coughs> now, um, Director General, I want to ask you, having been someone who has been in the health sector for a very long time and also a senior midwife, I, I'm sure your experience is very large. And I want to know what you have seen 
as a senior midwife and as someone who has been in the health sector for a very long time, um, if you've seen some of the things that Ajak has just mentioned, cultural influences, whether culture has influence over um, women and their freedom when it comes to their sexuality and their reproductive health. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to this talk show. I want to greet all the listeners who are out there. I am, as well as the Director General, but I will introduce myself as Reverend Janet Michael, because I'm holding also other portfolio. Thank you for discussing this issue. Uh, these are issues that has been quite there from, uh, let me say, for quite a long time as history can take us. Uh, if we look back, even in history, you look at the Roman history, you look at the way how women are treated. And at one stage, the Romans looked at women as object of sex, whereby any man can use them as they like. And uh, women were being put kind of Uh, when we read the Bible, we also see the same culture which has been portrayed. But then there was something in the... When people came to Egypt, at that time Egypt was the highly liberated country, whereby women were administrators. You take like Cleopatra. Women were up in the ladder as a holding a country and owning property. <coughs> that, of course, <laughs> did not stay for long because later Islam came to, to Egypt and changed. And the Islamic religion also puts women in a certain place. They say uh, two women are equal to one man. So a woman is a half of men. And then in our African society, we have, uh, there were women in leadership. There were queens. <coughs> Even here in South Sudan, we had a queen on the, the, in the Lutuko group. There was a queen some time back. And then we have it, uh, an auntie who is not married, actually take a role in administration in the family. One of the things that are so difficult is that it hampers medical intervention. Uh, the issue of early marriage is there where the girl's body cannot handle pregnancy. But this girl was given to marriage. This brings complications that any younger child, age 12, getting pregnant, the risks are very high for this girl to go through the pregnancy. Even for her to be pregnant is a risk. And for her to go through pregnancy is a risk. And the delivery is a risk. Sometimes she loses her life because her body is not well developed yet to handle such a thing. And she can deliver the baby 
she will steal a child carrying a child. The body is not yet, the mind is not yet coping some of the cattle. And then, of course, we have cases which are really worse, whereby if a woman is pregnant, some women can deliver normally without any intervention, but some women, either they have contracted pelvis or either the baby was too big for the pelvis of that woman to come out. The two mm. are there. So sometimes uh, the doctor has demanded that a section be done. Now they will say it is the husband to come and give the consent. Mm. Therefore, emergency cannot take place if that husband is not there. And some women, because they are told that the husband will help, they also refuse to sign for themselves. And sometimes this husband comes and everybody is waiting that the husband is going to sign. The husband says, no, my wife is not going to have a cesarean section. And people try all means and the man said no. So sometimes, if this woman is lucky, she ended up delivering a dead baby and ending up with a fistula, or she's dead. We make a fuss about it, and nobody take that case that it is the man who was the cause of the death. Society will say it is her fault to shit. Mm. because every woman is supposed to deliver normally mm, mm. this is one of the biggest impact other cultural uh, also that are happening which are not good is taking a girl for what they call virginity test one time we had a girl an old man is supposed to marry her she runs away with her husband, who is a younger man. And here, uh, health personnel were put in dilemma. They asked her, what exactly is it? She said, if you say I have gone with this boy, they will force me into marriage. She didn't want to marry any of that, but she just went away. If you examine me and find me that um, have not gone with the boy, I'm still a virgin, they will take me to the older man. And still marry her. And still marry the older man. Mm. And this was very, very difficult because also it's been brought by the police. They go to the police and this uh, test is taking place even right now. Even when uh, we in health have been trying to say it is not right for the dignity of the person. It's still because the parents will go to the police and demand. Yes. Clearly, such practices are still ongoing. They're very yes. popular. Yes. How do you think, Ajak mentioned the customary law, which a lot of us believe that the customary law is protecting such negative um, practices in the country. Um, do you think that it does? Do you think the customary law protects a lot of negative uh, cultural practices or helps let's say men or society have power over women's bodies yeah the cultural uh, laws or whatever the
primary laws, we have not moved away. Because even our constitution, when it comes to the issues of family and marriage and what, they have put there that clause and said, customary law, they will defy you. These are, these are the laws that we, we may need to work on it and really to remove that, uh, that bracket. The customary laws actually oppresses the woman because here is saying the man owns, uh, as she has research, the man owns the woman. And this woman, whether she's a girl, also the patriarchal uh, hierarchy also say either it's you are, you, are, you, are, you are transferred from your father's house where your father and brothers are looking after you. This is why you find that brothers will beat the sister because they think she's misbehaving and will want to control her uh, in her movement. And then when you are handed over, you are handed over to another man who's a husband also, who is going to take control of you, who will tell you, you cannot go and see your friend. You'll only take my permission. Uh, I remember uh, one case where the husband locked this woman up. This was uh, in Northern in Khartoum because it's all the same thing. Locked the woman up. Every time he went to work, he locked her up. And uh, there was no way she can communicate to her relatives because at that time you do not have the digital uh, phone. And one time her brothers come to see her and the husband says, oh no, your sister is busy. And she was told to prepare tea and the husband goes near the kitchen and takes the tea and serves to her brothers. And this woman never saw brother and she was crying. What happened? She got pregnant. She was in the room. She had no access because one of the things even for us is that for a woman to go for antenatal, the husband must give permission for her to seek mm. that antenatal care. Leave alone her going. Either the husband or even the mother-in-law also will say, no, I used to deliver without going to the hospital. So this woman was pregnant in the house, locked up. She, uh, she fainted. She went into complications. She couldn't have the baby. And I think the husband found her on the ground, unconscious. She was taken to hospital. The baby was delivered by cesarean. Maybe she had obstructed labor or other issues. And she wakes up in the hospital after seven days. And she didn't know that she was in hospital. And all that she asked is, where is my baby? Mm. And uh, that was normal. She would have died. At, even to that control that you don't have access, you are pregnant, you don't have access to care. So that those are so some of what we're things. saying is basically we do not have control over our bodies, really. <laughs> that does not exist. If I could add on, yes, the way in which law is a reflection of our society, exactly. especially customary law, the way in which customary law is set up, it's supposed to be a direct extraction of our cultural practices to reflect now what we do as a society instead of just the 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 idea behind it was not to just follow the white man's uh, ways to also incorporate our own 
practices, our own indigenous practices as well. So the way customary law was brought about was to now extract what we do as a society and reflect it into law. So there's no way if our society is patriarchal that now the law will not be, be patriarchal. patriarchal. Got you. So we can't even escape it. You see, even with the with the way in which our laws doesn't see marital rape as rape. There's no such thing as marital rape. Every ev every form of penetration within a, a marriage is is uh, is consensual under the law. There's no such thing as non-consensual sex or rape under our law. Yes. So there's no way that we can uh, we can um, now try to differentiate uh, our law from our patriarchal standards. So that's why we have to say we say that we we should have a holistic approach to uh, feminism, where every area is um, is incorporated, so that we can we can tackle this from every every corner of our society to in, to ensure that uh, freedom is is at the utmost level right yeah i want to get a little bit deeper into the cult cultural influences and practices that you have mentioned um today during your thread on social media but we'll do that when we get right back and we're back with gender talk 211 so ajak I want to get into the different cultural influences, or at least the ones you mentioned. Um, one being sex uh, a taboo, sex being a taboo yes. in South Sudan. You also mentioned bride price and um, spousal veto, which I really want to get into. But explain to me a little bit more on sex being a taboo and bride price. Yeah, uh, with sex being a taboo, where... I think that's where the genesis of the issue is, where in our society we are told that we shouldn't talk about sex, anything pertaining to sex, even something that is wrong, uh, should never be mentioned. So now it makes sex look like it's it's bad, it's uh, it's dirty, it's um, it's especially for women, it's unladylike to talk about it means now people are silenced because if you have a question if you have an issue if you have anything to raise pertaining to your sex you're not able to mention it even with your closest uh, family members like your mother because we are told that that's something private between a man and a woman and that's the state right. so now that already starts the problem when we don't talk about things and it, it it creates a bigger issue so that's i i feel like that's where part of the genesis of the issue starts from okay um switching that to director general do you think um we can do better with this and introduce sex education maybe and even in collaboration with the ministry of of health you are now involved in training and development services right that should have a lot to do with sex education in introducing you know trainings to young girls maybe girls that are not in school or so on what are your thoughts around this yeah uh thank you i just want to
back to these cultural practices. If you take Europe, the Europe, the whole of uh, Britain and everybody, this kind of culture that we are having, it was embedded even with them before. And then we looked at uh, one time when we were looking at the freedom of women, we found that actually the African women had more freedom than the European women. The, when the Europeans started coming to control us, our men saw what the Europeans were doing to their wives, to their women. Then they started doing the same thing. Mm. Otherwise, the culture before was different. And this is why if you see the difference between Asia, for example, there has been many women leaders raising in Asia than in the European countries. You know how many presidents have come out of, out of Asia country? But none. Like uh, you take America, it's so conservative. To have a female president is one of the biggest things to happen. So even when Clinton was standing with, uh, with the Trump, some people did not reject her. As her. It was, she was rejected because she was a woman. Right. And they changed. How can a woman rule us? So this thing is embedded there. Our people also copied it. And you have talked about education. We have uh, talked about uh, sexual education in primary school. has to be started. Because what is it that you are talking about? You are talking about these uh, students to know about their biological bodies and functions. Yes. If they don't know their biological bodies, just like this girl who was not told that a girl... Uh, this was a story by one of our teachers. Uh, the girl got, uh, she had her first period. She didn't know what to do with it. She didn't know what it is. And then she looked on her own what she, she tried to find a solution. She went and got, you know, the small ilbabita salsalde. Yeah. She put a string on it, one on this side, one this, and she tied it on her so that the blood will go drip into it. Mm. <laughs> she was very innovative. <laughs> she didn't That's know. Definitely innovative. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She didn't know what to do. And, right. she, and because it has been said you can't discuss, she cannot tell Talk anybody about it. Mm, mm. and tell a teacher that, look. Uh, I'm seeing blood. What is it happening? At, the, at least the others will come and say, I'm seeing blood. Am I injured? But if they knew earlier, they would have known. Say, oh, yes. I've been told that when I reach this age, there'll be uh, ministration coming. It's called ministration. So at the end, she's walking around. She had already injured herself. And the teachers come, come, come. Why are you walking like that? And said, why are you walking like that? Then... She revealed the teachers to die with the In shock. saying that, yes. Because she didn't and, have the knowledge and, of what to do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then they said, okay, you don't do it. It's cotton, wool, go and use it like this. Like. But here is even, you are talking of hygiene. Right. How does one handle this? How does one uh, keep herself clean? These are all things that when they are talked to earlier, you know, we start even with that one, yeah. that you are, you are, you are telling uh, children, and even the issue of the functions of the body, and them knowing the pregnancy, that pregnancy can occur when they, This is why some little girls got pregnant, and they said, oh, I thought pregnancy is only for people who are married. Yeah. 
because mm. you must get married first then you can get pregnant but not that aspect that they were not told and maybe they were surprised to them right so here we have uh sexual uh we have stipulated sexual education in early childhood education and then we have also in our department of reproductive health by the way you should have got the we have the adolescent uh uh, uh department which okay. is dealing with the youth and they have been going around and they have uh, also included into the curriculum of the schools about adolescent sexual reproductive health so we have now divided up this the adolescent sexual reproductive health which is being dealt with and then looking at the youth corner any facilities that they use have to be provided with a corner for them to come, whether they are seeking information, whether some are coming, because who is the youth and who is the teenager? You have teenagers who are pregnant. They cannot come to antenatal because everybody will be looking at her. It's like a taboo. How can a small girl get pregnant? Judgment. But, mm. but then she's already pregnant, but she needs the care. She has yes. to come to antenatal and she has to be given the services. So what we about have mm. what they use corner started in our facility but it has not taken off so big that a lot of use can can, can access what about um reproductive rights reproductive health rights well the reproductive health rights this uh, this is also you're talking of a uh, the, the the rights of the person but when we said okay we are going to to create this corner you can come here that means the girl doesn't have to be accompanied by a parent, can come alone and advise. Because some people want to seek information. They want to know what is happening. Uh, so they can work there. The reproductive rights, of course, this is a very, uh, a, uh, a that is huge right. when you are looking at it. Because all these things that we have talked here about, uh, the culture, the world, also at the end, stream out to reproductive health rights. Correct. Because the reproductive health right was what was actually came out from the 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 conference, the the, the conference on population and development, the ICPD, which started in 1994 in Cairo, when the world recognized that there is reproductive rights women have rights to also on their bodies and that is the basis that now formulated the laws of women going freely to access family planning services to have the right because here issue came is when do you want to have a child maybe you are studying maybe you want to go and space your children out you agree you agree, we always say, sit down and discuss. Let it not be a force. Let it be a, an agreement between the couple. And the rights which have taken, because we used to have, uh, when a woman, she's married, coming to access family planning services, she must come with the husband and the husband must give permission. Mm. So if the husband said yes, 
then you can give. And if the husband said no, and you've given her the services, and the husband comes and finds it out, he will even open a police case against it you. It becomes illegal. Yes. Mm. He opens a case against you, and he will end up, and I remember just in a, one of our areas in Juba, this woman used to get pregnant every year. And then her friends told her, said, ah, you know, these days you don't need to get pregnant. You can go and access family planning. And uh, you don't need, of course, we have the EMPLA, which you don't have to, you don't, it's, tap, it's not tablets that you are taking. Then the, man, the, the other man told him, say, hey, check her body. Maybe she's having something inserted in her arm. So the man found out and the man went to the clinic to called the whole community, the chief was brought in that these people in the clinic have my wife from having a child. And he wants the implant removed. So it was removed. And they said, we are giving two months. If this woman doesn't get pregnant, we are taking all of you in the health facility to the police. Wow. So we've been having cases like that. So how do we, how do we move forward? Because it seems even if we continue educating right on yeah. on reproductive uh health or sex education even if you continue educating the bottom line is women do not have control over their bodies so how do we move forward can i put can i inject an <laughs> yes anecdote? please okay i got married in july and i was i was not born here i was not raised here I was even raised in America, and um, uh, when I got married, that same night, the family members came, and they tried to do the virginity test on me. What? So you can only imagine, and these are people who have stayed outside as well. These are people who are supposed to, <laughs> who are learned, and uh, <laughs> women who are uh, on at high levels of society, and have daughters who have been raised outside and who themselves have been raised outside but they're also so it's there there is that pressure also me i just wanted to go out and, and have a nice time with my friends uh, at the after party but now imagine for women there's that pressure there's no choice now there's no autonomy to say no i don't want to have sex tonight maybe tomorrow maybe in a week's time but since your family members are coming you are forced now so that means it uh, it is out of consent so i just put my foot down now so i know not happening no but not women not many women can do yeah, that not many women can do that you know right but, and and there there's that thing now your your business becomes a a a talk of the town oh she's refusing because she's not a virgin right oh, she's refusing because this and that oh have you heard what happened last night where where is freedom for us especially it's very hurtful when it's perpetuated by our own women right women so no matter how advanced we are no matter where we come from how far we go we still this culture still catches up to us yes you know so how do you how do you see us moving forward hmm. It's very, it's a difficult thing. Let me, let me put it in. <laughs> yes. Education does not mean 
educated in removing some of those barriers, cultures that are barriers. You could have attained and gone to the university, got your education very nicely, but because previously you are brought up in that culture, it is embedded yes. in your inner brain and your conscious that you continue to grow in it and you bring the children in that one. Until you are able to get, you know, disconnect and say, no, I'm not allowing this, then the women. And this is where I wanted to go through. I said, for the women to change this, the women have to liberate themselves psychologically, emotionally. They have to liberate themselves psychologically. Is it the right thing? Or is it because I'm doing it for somebody who wants it done? Mm. Or is this culture right? Is it affecting? Uh, if I don't do it, what will happen? Because some cultures are good. That is why we also talk of the, 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 the reproductive rights also bring up the cultural practices. The harmful traditional practices, which have to be left, and I think uh, the African Union has also signed to that uh, commitment. And we are also part of it that those harmful traditional tr uh, uh, practices, this is including all these things of virginity tests, all this that has to be left, because at the end. I will tell you a story. What the heck are people doing? I'm working as a midwife here we are having. And this Somali man came and said, I'm getting married. And tonight is our night for, with the bride. Okay, I want my blood drawn out. Give it to me in a bottle. So he came to take his own blood so that they can pour it on the sheet to say the lady was a virgin. They know themselves. Mm. They know themselves. Mm. And he asked, so, wow. And then it is a lie. You know what? We were working in Khartoum. <coughs> we were working in Khartoum. And every time the girl, you know, you know the girls, the circumcision, like the female circumcision. This is also, it was the men who want the female circumcised. Yes. And even in South here, they were doing it because we used to think that it was a Muslim culture. Then until we, we were in college, then the doctor said, no, this is not Islam. This is actually Pharaonic, which was started during the Pharaonic in Egypt. And first of all, he started in the medieval ages where men are going to war and then they tie what they call chestis belt. Mm. The belt is made of iron. When the man is going out, it's put on your waist and from here down and he locks it with a lock and he goes with he the goes key. He goes with the key. Mm. My goodness, if he died in the battlefield, who's going what to happens? remove this iron from your waist? You stay with it. Whether you are menstruating, whether you are whatever, whether it gets that is an iron and you sleep with it. You can mm. imagine that control in medieval Europe. And then it came 
to the Nile Egypt, then they said, oh, the easiest way is we will have to suture and close so that. And then we found that in Al-Fashir, they will sew you from down and close upward. Yeah. I want to tell you. Yes. So if you are passing urine, your urine will go upward uh, mm. and come down and then you will have a lot of infection. What happened? When the girls are getting married, they come to the midwives to be re-sutured. To say, I am a virgin. So you can imagine. Yes. To be re-sutured and I am. These are all these practices that are, the, yeah, a deceit and uh, the kind of, uh, uh, so for me, women have to attain that education that liberate their mind and break this cultural barrier you can get somebody we have found that women from west africa they go to to britain and here they bring the middle to do circumcision in britain when british say the law is not there are those women not living in the british society are they not educated they yes. go and do those practices now of course there is a law that they can be put in prison and so the women is like if i don't do it my daughter will not be accepted the same thing they went on doing it oh you see i want to be honored so this culture must be done yeah so mine is when we talk of that education of the girl child the woman going ahead must have also that education of freedom freedom from all this cultural oppression and coming out so one time we want to look we said how many of our children are coming out free here we start in the house and say oh you see sit like a girl mm, mm. then we start saying oh don't talk like a man talk like a girl we this small small thing has already embedded in this and the, and that person will continue carrying it not knowing correct until we give them the freedom that let this child grow educated and look at the world with a different eyes correct. other than looking the world through the cultural curtain through the cultural eyes so looking at the world through the cultural eyes then you don't have the freedom and this is why as you put it this were highly educated women and they were still doing doing the same thing. and they were still accepting this culture and said you know it is our culture and then they, they start hiding behind it's our culture you know but culture is dynamic it's changing we are not living if we look back i have been growing for the last how many years from 60s i know the culture of south sudanese is not different the culture of all our tribes have changed but they are hanging on small, small things. Right. Which they identify themselves with. With education, we probably can liberate ourselves. We are at 4.47 p.m. And I want to thank both of you for being here with me today. And we'll continue having these conversations. Next time, we'll go even deeper. And maybe um, abortion rights. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there but for everyone listening we want you to also give us your opinion and what you think on sexual autonomy and the fact that women do not have control or freedom over their own bodies leave me your comments your thoughts
below in the comment box and I will get back to you at the end of the show. For now, I'm going to release both of you from being here. Thank you for being with me in the studio. I'll be right back in a minute with the Uncaging Artist. And we are back. Agenda Talk 211. My name is Eva Lopa and this is Advanced Youth Radio 99.9. FM. You can also follow us and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Gender Talk 211. That is Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Joined me right now is one very, very amazing young lady, author of Uncaging, coming out Saturday in stores. Well, you'll she'll let us know. Minangano, Kape, Tula, Lydia. How many names should I put I out? So you're you're so most welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm very good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. And how are you? Tell me, first of all, did you bring the book? Do we have the book here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. This is um, Uncaging. Which camera am I on? We have Uncaging coming out Saturday. Yes. So um, tell me about the book. So uh, basically, Uncaging is a collection of poems, uh, poetry, prose, and mostly spoken word po uh, po poetry that I have been writing for a very long time. Maybe not for a very long time, but I've been writing it within myself for a very long time. Yes. And uh, I think I have decided that this year's the to share my voice with everyone out there, and I call it my baby. <laughs> nice. Tell me a few of the yeah. thoughts. What is... Uh, what is the poetry that is inside? What are the voices that you're channeling out? Well, so uh, basically this book, I would call it a salad. It has everything. <laughs> I, it has five chapters and I talk about love. I talk about gender roles. I talk about sisterhood. I talk about country, love for the country. I talk about patriotism. I talk about diversity. But also, most importantly, I, I found myself talking a lot about uh, mm. the beauty of the country and of the people, my people. So I wanted, um, I've always been passionate about South Sudanese telling their own stories. Yes. And, and, and to me, it was very important that um, um, I have the opportunity to put a collection of poetry out there. I made it a point that I am telling a South Sudanese stories from a South Sudanese perspective, this is our stories that uh, can relate with. And uh, yeah, in, 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 in my own way, it doesn't have to be um, a story of everyone, but then this is my story as a South Sudanese. Maybe it could be a story of another person. Yes. And yeah, so that's... that's Which one is your favorite chapter? Huh, that's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one. Do you know what they say? They say uh, uh, if you're a creative or you're an artist or you're someone who writes, you become like a mother. And when you have children, you love all of them the same. You Absolutely. Favorite, you cannot. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I can already tell which one is my favorite gender roles. Tell me a bit about <laughs> the gender roles chapter. So like on that particular chapter, it's not the name of the chapter, but that um, chapter is called She Tales. Ah. So she tales. Uh, I talked about uh, girl child rights, child education, early child marriage, but I also talked about. Um, I I I defined 
the beauty of women in my own way in my own town because I, I, I feel like um, I think in the past uh, few days there's this uh, Vogue uh, magazine that has South Sudanese yes the Vogue the Vogue cover yes <laughs> yeah and I think it's it, it, it generated conversations about beauty and standards that has always been out there and uh, the standards that were there are standards that do not necessarily reflect the African uh, standards of beauty but now we have seen that it has been changing and uh, in that particular chapter I talked about beauty and um, I talk about color, colorism maybe, and uh, maybe I just want to say uh, Uncaging is not just a book, I think it's a movement because uh, I will be launching Uncaging but I'll also be launching something that I, w I would want to call um, a black girl anthem. Oh, so, wow. wait, so are you <laughs> saying uh, something like a song? Well, you will get to find out on Saturday. Oh, well, now so, I have to be there. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. We have a book and a black girl's anthem. All of us, the black girls, we need to learn and we need to sing along. Beautiful. <laughs> or maybe talk along. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Let me get singing. one statement for you before you give me details on the launch mm -hmm. and where we can find the book. Um, what is beauty to you? Um, beauty. Interesting. Uh, to me, I think I look at it more inwardly. It's the heart. It's how someone relates with people and the environment that uh, they are living in. So to me, that's beauty. It's not. It's not the color of the skin. It's not the hair. It's not. It's not my height. It's not my weight. Really you. Yeah, it's me. It's who a person is from inside. What their heart looks like and how treat people. Yes. Lovely. So when are we releasing? When are you releasing Uncaging and where is it happening? So we are releasing Uncaging on Saturday at Apex. Okay. Uh, the Riverside. Uh, so it will start uh, from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. So it's going to be a very beautiful evening of poetry and soft South Sudanese music. Okay. Lovely. Other than um, release date and location, where can we find uncaging the books yes well so at the moment you can uh, pre-order there's a link that i have shared on facebook on my facebook page at minagano cafe okay but also at kelimat poetry club there is um, a link that you can be able to pre-order but uh, on the day of the launch uh, we will have the book there and you can be able to, to just buy from there okay you heard it people you can purchase the book at affix 3 p.m to 6 PM. It is also online. Go to Minangano Cape on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, we will share a link of where we can find where you can find the book right under the comments on this live right now. Follow us on Gender Talk 211, Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel where you will find the links to Uncaging Online. But try not to miss there's nothing better than having a hard copy a fresh copy that fresh smell of a new book in Love your it. hand so try not to miss out on saturday affects 3 to 6 p.m thank you so much for being here i'm so excited about your book i can't wait to read through it and i can't wait for you to come back and we do a review of the book yes
Lovely. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to you, my audience, for listening in today. My name is Eva Lopa. This is Gender Talk 211. And I'll be back next Thursday again. You have a good night.